Welcome to Bicycle Retail Radio, the bicycle industry podcast that brings retailers, vendors, advocates, and thought leaders to the mic for honest discussions about the latest issues facing retailers while taking an in-depth look at the person within the profession. All right, welcome to the Flex. Today's version is our Technician Flex. It's our newest addition to Bicycle Retail Radio. It's an ongoing podcast feature focused specifically on service center and mechanics, produced in partnership with NBDA educational partner, Northwest Arkansas Community College's Bicycle Assembly and Repair Technician Program Director, Benjamin Glenn. I'm Heather Mason, NBDA President. Benjamin, welcome to the podcast again. Thanks. Yeah, it's great to be back for another episode. Looking forward to the conversation today. Yeah, me too. So listeners, if you're a beginner, intermediate, or advanced cycling enthusiast, Northwest Arkansas Community College's unique program allows you to access affordable, industry-recognized training that can enhance your hobby or put you on the trail to a career in the cycling industry. If you're a retailer listening and you have staff working for you that hasn't gone through professional training, this is an amazing opportunity that everyone should know about. Uh, you, uh, mechanics can earn a Bicycle Industry Employers Association accredited certification in bicycle assembly and repair and gain skills in bicycle mechanics, wheel repair and assembly, bearing, suspension systems, service department operations, electric bikes. There's so much. It's just an amazing program. And Ben, you've been there for for a couple of years now, right? Going on your second year? Yeah, this is actually my third year, uh, third cohort of students. So, uh, you know, we're right, right in the kind of the middle of our first semester with these students. So we're, we're learning a lot of things. Um, but uh, the, yeah, the first two years, uh, were fantastic and, uh, we, we have our, our biggest class yet. So I'm looking forward to continuing to grow the program. It's fabulous to see it continue to grow. And the NBDA team, we had a chance and opportunity at our summit, our retailer summit that happened in May 2023, to tour the facility to bring retailers in. And I think everyone was just amazed. Uh, because of that visit, we got with Ben and we asked him if it was okay if we created this monthly podcast feature to answer questions that retailers and mechanics had specifically on service department operations, uh, continuing education and training, and things like proactive and reactive service. So this has been a great opportunity. Our second episode, we're answering questions that retailers submitted directly to us. So Ben, are you ready to do this again? Yeah, ready for the questions. Uh, excited awesome. to, to, to get through these. Yeah. Okay, so the first question comes from one of our MBDA retailer members, and they ask, what specific tactics could be used to assess the aptitude of a potential mechanic? This is a great question because as we're interviewing people, trying to figure out if they're going to be good or not, what tactics could be used to assess the aptitude? Yeah, this kind of really comes comes at a perfect uh, time during the season. Uh, you know, you know, shop owners, retailers are, are looking at, you know, what are we going to do this, um, you know, this off season time, uh, you know, so what, what are our improvements? I, ho- I hope everyone's looking for that. What's our potentials for growth? So, you know, opportunity to, to review your service processes and also your interview process as well. So I, I think that, you know, this question, you know, first we start with that interview process and how the role within the service department is advertised, you know, is this open role, uh, role open to experienced technicians only? Is it entry level with the opportunity to train? So I think it's, you know, kind of, you start with that interview process 
you know, uh, if you're hiring for a technician, are you hiring for just experienced folks only, or are you looking to uh, to bring someone new into the industry and into your space so you can have the you know chance to train those? So, you know, I like to think about uh, you know those questions that I would even ask like when I first meet that person during the interview. You know, describe you know describe some experiences you have working with hand tools. So just literally ask them that. What do you, what do you do? You know, how are you you know. Uh, you know, working with hand tools. Do you have experience, you know, with a hammer? You know, do you have experience with a with a hacksaw? You know, well, tell me about those things like that. And then you can graduate into more specific bike tech questions. So, you know, simply asking you know, what's what's the first thing you do during a drivetrain adjustment on your personal bike? Um, you know, ask some of those organizational questions as well. Attention to detail. Uh, you know, as as you go through that uh, interview process, there might be other questions that come up uh, as well. I always, as the interview, I always like to also observe uh, that person and kind of their body language. Uh, that really helps out. I feel like um, with understanding, uh, you know, how that I, I can, if I can visualize that person working in the space, I think that helps out too. Um, ideally, if this role is open to any to an entry level tech, it's great to ask about their experience with taking an initiative and critical thinking or problem solving. Get an understanding of their desire to improve a process or processes that you might have. You know, you could say, hey, here's our service menu. As someone new to this space, you know, which which of these stick out? Which do you think you could tackle, you know, first day? Which would, you know, you have no idea even what a bottom bracket is. That's fine. You know, we have opportunity to train through those things or, you know, we're really looking for someone with some experience that can come in and remove that bottom bracket. So. That's a great, there's a lot of great points you brought up in there. And I'm thinking about just asking if it was your bike, what is the first thing you would do for a drivetrain adjustment? I mean, that is a fabulous uh, question to ask and it will really get you uh, a better understanding of what the person knows. I'm thinking people are, you know, registering for your class. They're coming to your college. You must have people that show up thinking they're already mechanics as well. And, and possibly they are, but how do you assess a student? Like, same. If I ask the question back to you, how do you assess your students? Or do you just start at the same level for everyone? Yeah, we start out thinking that no, you know, everyone you know has no idea what a bicycle is. So that's we start at the very simple. We got to make sure everyone is, is is growing kind of at the, at the same pace. Uh, I've got a, a student right now that I worked with. Uh, I don't know, like ten years ago in the bike shop, and I worked with this uh, with this person for uh, maybe maybe four or five years. You know, side by side working in the shop. Great technician. Uh, aptitude for pretty much anything uh, hands-on. Uh, this person uh, has, has done almost everything in construction. Uh, so, you know, he he's here in the shop uh, working with me. I, I'm teaching him now, which is really strange, to be quite honest, because I feel like I can learn a lot of things from him. But uh, just some of the small things he picks up, you know, slowing down, taking time to make sure you're, you're doing quality work. Uh, you know, some of those processes as well, you know, if he's got, uh, you know, step three before step one, uh, you know, he's going to slow down his efficiency on how to actually make a profit in the shop because, you know, shop work, it's fantastic. We're all super passionate about bikes, but if we're not making a profit uh, through our efficiency and our craft in the way that we're actually doing the service to that bike, then, uh, you know, we're never going to be able to grow our service department and actually start turning that profit. Yeah. So I love that this, uh, uh, I guess our best practice, best, best tip is to ask specific questions during the interview, pay attention to the person that you're interviewing, just observing their uh, personal skills, maybe how they hold themselves during the interview. Um, and then just asking about their understanding of specific, uh, 
tools that we use on bikes. And then when we do bring them in, making sure that we train them to our culture, our expectations. You know, there's important things you mentioned is slowing down uh, so we can be sure we're making a profit and, and having experienced techs. Excellent. All right. Let's ready for the next one, Ben. Yes. All right. So let's keep going. Uh, lots of questions came in. I like this question. So the question reads, what do you estimate the to- the initial investment would be to equip a small bicycle repair shop for one or two mechanics? So I think this came from someone looking to open a shop and they want to know what would the cost be to make sure that their shop is set up for one or two mechanics? I This is uh, kind of a, you can answer this in a lot of different ways. I feel like um, <laughs> I, I will, I will say that uh, I was just reading an article this morning uh, about a person that's uh, lives in Australia and this person, you know, uh, went to university, grad school, all these other things, and then started working part-time in a bike shop, absolutely fell in love with bike shops and, and repair work and, you know, learned from a, a lot of really uh, great mentors, people that were willing to share that information with them. And then uh, they, they went on to actually be a, an independent uh, mechanic. Uh, so they were working out of their house, um, still working a full-time job, doing the mechanic side uh, part-time, and then decided to open their own shop and quickly realized that they were not charging enough per hour to make this sustainable where they could pay their mortgage, you know, continue to, you know, feed their kids, all those things. So ended up having to take another part-time job while also working full-time as a, an independent mechanic. So I think I think that that really um, and that article was fantastic in other ways as well. But um, that really kind of opened my eyes to uh, to this. You know, what does it look like to open a repair shop? Are you looking at a certain location? You know, what's your payroll? Uh, how much do you want to pay your technicians? You know, do you want uh, just to make enough to survive, or are you looking at uh, you know making a profit? When do you want to be profitable? Uh, you know, at what point are we wanting to be profitable and not reliant on that initial startup money? Um, one thing I would highly recommend and I think uh, would be extremely helpful is, uh, you know, completing a business course or two online or in person. You know, community colleges are, are great for that. There's a ton of online schools as well. Uh, you know, you can I think Harvard even offers some of their business courses online just to get an understanding of what it's like to build a business, to even write that initial business plan. I think it's it's, it's going to go a long way in your in your investment in yourself. So, um, you know. Take time out, really approach it from a business aspect. Uh, you know, a shop, a bike shop, no matter the size, is a business and should be managed like a business. You know, back to my statement of we all love bikes and we're super passionate, but passion and love only go so far in a, in a sound business plan. So if you have these goals, if you're able to measure those and see how, you know, progress is happening, you know, that's really going to help you in understanding uh, profitability. At what point can you make a profit? I've got a friend that opened a, a hair salon uh, not too far from the, from the college here. And uh, he's just now not having to pull from that original business loan in his own year two. And he's extremely successful. He's got three or four other people that have rented booths from him. So, uh, you know, he's he's uh, he's really happy about where he is. So I think, you know, approaching it from a business um, perspective that, you know, year two, he's not having to pull money from that original business loan. And he's able to start paying that uh, down. So, yeah. Um, I, I like the way you're looking at this because it's not just like, okay, we're going to open up a mechanic shop. We're going to, I'm going to tell you that you're going to need a couple to buy a couple stands. You're going to need to buy tools. You actually need to look at like how, how efficient can you be? How many hours are you going to be open? How many mechanics? How many bays? 
What are you going to charge for your services? What's your overhead costs? And put that all into a spreadsheet and figure it out. It's not just as easy as saying, like, let's open a repair shop. Uh, so great question. And the MBDA team, we actually have spreadsheets to help you figure out the profitability of your repair shop. So if you wanted to reach out to us at info at mbda.com, we can help you work through those numbers uh, because it is very specific. Ben, great, Absolutely. great answer yeah. to that. Uh, um, yeah, I will follow up. We did have a student uh, that uh, from our, our second cohort that did open a bike shop, uh, but he partnered with a local coffee shop to make that happen. And so the business partner from the coffee shop was able to, you know, really bring him into, you know, what it's like to, to have a business going. So uh, that was exciting. And I for, almost forgot about uh, that shop that had just opened uh, a couple months ago. So it is fun to partner yeah. with other businesses like that as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, all right. A couple more questions for today's episode. Let's, this one I like. Uh, this is a question I hear often from retailers. You know, all these bikes are coming in for service, especially with e-bikes. Not a lot of room to store these bikes when they're done being repaired. So the question is, what can a shop do to motivate customers to pick up completed repairs the same day they are ready? Yeah, that's a big one. Always was a struggle, even back way back in the early 2000s. It seems like, uh, you know, when I was in the shop, we had more bikes finished than we actually had to work on sometimes. Uh, I like to start out with that simple communication right up front. Communicate, confirm the pickup time, date prior to that customer even leaving the bike there. Uh, if, if, you know, maybe there's a storage fee, maybe the shop has a storage fee after X number of days, you know, you want to make sure you communicate that with the customer right up front. So, there could be an opportunity as well to start some sort of delivery service uh, for completed repairs at a small cost to the customer. I would always recommend that, uh, you know, shops have a built-in signature line for the service rider. So the bicycle service rider and the customer to sign off on at the end of that initial estimate, the acceptance of the estimate, you know, you, you uh, present the, customer with with that estimate they accept it let's sign off on it let's make sure you understand when we'll have the bike done for you you know bringing some of that value um is is absolutely uh, key and i think this can also be done for understanding when they should pick up that repair now is it a perfect plan absolutely not uh there's always you know people that are just going to leave it there and then a year later after you've maybe donated the bike or you know something else has happened to that bike um you know they come back looking for their bike. Personally, I've never had that happen. I was in the bike shops from 06 to 2016, and it just seemed like we always had one or two bikes that were kind of in storage and never had a good plan in place for that. Uh, you know, if there's a storage fee, it was, um, you know, not always a great plan, but I think there's opportunity to, to confirm some expectations before the customer leaves. And then also, uh, you know, you know, build in some type of storage fee, if that's something that could be happening in your shop and, you know, make sure that, you know, if there's an opportunity to start a delivery service, maybe you're, you're considering that as well. Awesome suggestions, uh, you know, communicate, communicate, communicate. And also I would just add in when the repair is done, you can text or call the customer, let them know it's done. And then again, communicate if you have that storage fee or what process you have in place. So Awesome suggestions, Ben. I love that you do this with us. Thank you so much. I know you're busy over there running the school and you're taking your time out to help our members. So um, we'll do one more question for today. It's a big question, Ben. Uh, and it came in actually from our last episode, which are if you're listening to this, this flex for the first time, uh, this is our second technician flex. You can see the MBDA YouTube channel. 
to view our first flex. Uh, this question came in as a comment off our first flex, uh, and it, it reads this. Uh, it's written and submitted by a 15-year mechanic and service manager who says, I would like to see the long-term viability of a bicycle mechanic career addressed. This has been an ongoing problem for many years. The industry loses highly skilled mechanics all the time because the jobs are slow to pay a, a living wage. This may be somewhat dependent on location, but I can say for certain that has been a serious problem in Portland, Oregon, and San Francisco, which are two cities that are recognized as top cycling cities. If Portland and San Francisco are such stellar cities for cycling, why are mechanics struggling to make ends meet? I couldn't, you know, agree anymore with any of these statements here. Uh, I referenced an article that I was reading this morning. It was an opinion piece uh, in a uh, uh, online publication or uh, online kind of media conglomerate, if you will, or, or media empire called Escape Collective. And this was an opinion piece by pretty much the same person that's uh, writing in this uh, in here. Uh, this person was a I think 20 years uh, mechanic service manager and kind of seeing the same thing in Australia. Um, and, you know, the, the, the call out was on the industry itself, on manufacturers, uh, on the people that are making these as well, uh, you know, investing in, in the mechanics. And that's what it's about. I mean, the mechanics are what literally keep the wheels going on bicycles. Um, so I think that we need to have a, a bigger conversation than just this podcast and the time we have here. There's a lot of work to be done, but, you know, bottom line, I wholeheartedly agree. And that's, you know, that's why I, I, I enjoy what I'm doing now, you know, advocating, uh, helping students and people see, hey, this is an absolute amazing career. I love it. Um, and I think that, uh, you know, it's it's something that you can you should be able to do as long as you want and retire from it. Uh, you know, I recently had the privilege of attending the cycle uh, cycle of influence a few weeks ago. I joined a panel on this very topic. Uh, we had uh, people from uh, from a couple of different organizations. Uh, we were all in education and had this conversation, and it was it was fantastic to connect with them. I feel like we've got some good energy going forward, uh, and we'll we'll see see what we you know what, what's going to come of it. But um, I left the bicycle retail service for teaching several years ago after not being able to make ends meet. Uh, I loved working on bikes, critically thinking about problems that came across the you know work stands, keeping folks rolling, but, you know, I can only make so much money to stay afloat and take care of my family. So, um, you know, I, I, I understand, um, the path forward has been suggested many, many times, I think, uh, but it's not really come to much, uh, much fruition. There's different associations that have come and gone that have, have really put a lot of energy and time into this. We're definitely overdue for some changes to the profession. I feel like, um, you know, we, we've got a few uh, a few big hurdles in front of us, but uh, I, think, I think the right people are, are moving forward in the industry and kind of pushing pushing for uh, this professional career track. You know, entry point as well as sustaining those people that are you know uh, highly skilled mechanics that we don't want to lose anymore. You know, those folks are seeing, hey, I can go work work on an automobile and make ten times the money. Sometimes I worked in a personally, I worked in a service shop for Cadillac, and I was making great money as a service advisor. It was fantastic, uh, but I love bikes, and I left that job. Uh, it was, you know, it, it was it was it was a good move for me because you know here I am able to you know kind of bring education and bike tech together. Uh, but you know, yeah, auto mechanics, uh, you know, make amazing money sometimes. Um, 
I think right now uh, we're up against the most number of riders in bicycle history. Um, those e-bikes are not going to slow down anytime soon. Um, cycling components, parts that we're putting on bikes, the bi- way the bikes are, are built are more complicated than they've ever been. There's more um, uh, compatibility uh, concerns than there's ever been. Uh, if you look at uh, Canyon's new amazing redesign of their in-flight cyclocross bike, I love that thing. It's amazing. Matthew Vanderpool is an absolute amazing person to ever watch race a bike. But uh, the, the the internal cable routing through that handlebar and stem and headset headset and steer tube and head tube and all the things that happens there is an absolute nightmare to work on. I think that I, I heard some mechanic that had worked on something similar. It took about 90 minutes just to reroute um, some brake hose on that bike for a customer. So, uh, you know, that being said, uh, it takes a highly skilled technician. Um, and, you know, we need to start recognizing that and actually rewarding people uh, for the work they're doing. You know, it's taking, uh, you know, your passion and turning it into a career. Yes, absolutely it is. But what's the path forward? You know, we need to continue to have a bigger conversation than just this. We're, so we're at a pivotal mo- moment. Uh, the CPSC is studying lithium-ion batteries. E-Systems insurance underwriters are reconsidering who they insure. The price of bikes continues to increase, um, meaning the customer will place a higher value on their investment will continue to increase their demand for validated service that matches their investment. In order to move forward, structure is absolutely needed. A path to enter the career and to stay in the career is is needed as well. Uh, we and and when I say we, I mean uh, you know shop employees, service technicians, shop owners, all the stakeholder holders that are in the industry need to support some type of industry uh, certifications and licensing for bike technicians. I think right now. So how do we do that? I think it's continuing to have conversations. Uh, but put those conversations to some sort of plan. <laughs> I think uh, with the education piece that could come from education institutes like here at the community college, UBI as well, learning outcomes must be the same. We must be able to provide some type of governance to align those educational outcomes, the learning outcomes, uh, and the industry needs to accept those. Uh, we need to have a kind of a reinvestment in our technicians and our retail spaces as well. You know, if you, if you think about like a you know independent bike dealer, their last thing they want to do is you know have to put out more money. Uh, and that's that's a hard ask, I think, for for the uh, for the independent bike dealer. Uh, there's uh, you know the, the industry needs to to back that bike dealer. You know, maybe maybe we're not making as much money for the first few years as you know a big manufacturer or a vendor, uh, but we're reinvesting in our people. We're able to keep those quality technicians working on the bikes that we want to sell and that we want the public to ride on. Yeah, it's a this is a big topic, and I love how you touched on so many areas within this question because I agree we're at a a very pivotal moment, uh, especially with e bikes and the level of professionalism. I mean, we've always had to have certified uh, technicians and professional technicians. I think now more than ever we need to double down on that and really invest and and we have to run profitable service departments. And if we're profitable then maybe we can pay these certified technicians more. So we need to get aligned on this. And yeah, it's it's a, probably a whole nother podcast and it's a big effort by everyone. Uh, I can say that there are people taking strides. We are, I would say, moving mm-hmm. in that direction with B, uh, BIEA and, and the work you're doing, uh, UBI, MBDA, we have PBMA who's still out there. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of people who are moving in that direction. And uh, 
yeah, maybe this flex is just the start of getting us there even farther. So uh, Ben, I appreciate your answer on that one. And I know it's a huge, huge one to answer, but it is something that I'd say the industry is aware of and that we're working through right now. Um, so you're working with your students there. How is it going? How's this class? Are you anything new in the curriculum that you've introduced or how are things going there? Just to check in with you before we part ways here. Yeah. Th- thanks for asking about students. We started out with 21 students in August. We still have all 21. We'll keep them going. Uh, we have a lot of different talented people that come through the door, people that absolutely uh, just have seen a bike, maybe not even owners of bikes, but they feel like that they can work on them. And all the way up to people that's been working on their own bikes, working in shops, like I said earlier. Uh, so our students have worked through a lot of the core basic fundamentals of service tech work, of safety, of you know, hand tool usage and selection. Uh, and now, now we're getting into some of those more specific uh, exercises in our classroom. So our classroom structures will have, you know, a day of theory, and then we'll put that theory to to work in a practical situation. Uh, next week is our midterm practical exams as well as written exams. So there's a little bit of knowledge base that comes into that. Uh, you know, just just to recall a lot of the resources that we use as professional techs, you know, getting into some of those technical documents and some of the, the key concepts, you know, everything from bolt measurement through axle measurements all the way to, uh, you know, what chemicals are applying to the bicycle itself. So lubricates, the lubricants, uh, those things like that, uh, hydraulic fluids. Um, and uh, yeah, so we're into our, uh, we just built up our first full bicycle, starting our, our second bicycle as well. And with that, we're able to, you know, look at the individual pieces of the entire bicycle. So really break it down into individual systems. So we've just make it, made our way through a two by drivetrain, uh, and uh, rim brakes. We'll work on this next, next bicycle, the one by drivetrain, hydraulic brakes, a little bit of suspension there as well. Uh, so, so we're working into uh, the midterms next week, which is uh, five different practical exams uh, through next week, and also uh, some written midterms as well. So it's going, it's going fantastic. Uh, people are developing. Uh, people are slowing down as well, which is fantastic. They can see quality over speed, and then speed comes later. So, um, you know, getting to know the students, we've got a lot of talented folks, uh, and uh, you know, it's it's always fantastic to start out with some new energy. You know, I, I definitely missed the last class, but I'm getting to know the, these folks that I'm, I'm around as well. So, Excellent. Uh, we'll have, eventually, we'll have 21 very qualified mechanics into uh, the workforce as potential uh, employees. And so if anyone is listening to this who might know either a high school student or even someone who's older, because I know the program is open to anyone at any age, when does the next class enroll? Like if someone was uh, listening and they wanted to talk to someone and and suggest they come take the program, what does that look like? Yeah. So for someone that's coming in, um, actually, you're kind of at a a little bit of an advantage because you can get some of your general ed requirements out. So let's say you start in the spring with the college, you can get some of those general ed requirements out. And then our cohorts start in the fall. So August, uh, well, into into the summer, so August middle about the middle of August is when we'll start our next cohort for next year. Two semester program, nine back tech courses plus uh, two gen eds uh, that's required for that certification. So uh, you could get a head start if you wanted to enroll in in the program in the college a little bit early, and then just step right into the bike tech courses uh, next to August. So awesome. um, yeah, and then there's always thoughts around like you know how can we. Uh, you know, better accommodate folks' schedule. And and I think that's coming down the road as we continue to grow our program. 
I love it. I love it. So yeah, anyone listening, this is a great opportunity to pass along the word. Uh, we'll link to the college in the show notes. Ben, I think that wraps up our episode for today. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks so much. This has been an awesome conversation. Great questions. Keep them coming, please. I'd love to continue to, to talk about, uh, you know, that whole uh, licensing and certification and how we continue to grow the industry. And uh, obviously the, the specific questions, everything from how to start up a bike shop all the way to how to get customers to pick up their bikes. So thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Yeah. So listeners, if you'd like your questions answered on the flex, you can write to us at any time. Send those questions directly to me, anything bicycle service center related mechanics training, bicycle assembly. My email is heather at fbda.com. We'll answer them on the next episode if they're great questions. So make sure you send over great questions. Uh, thanks for listening. Share this episode with your friends. Head over to our YouTube channel. You can see our wonderful faces and actually watch the episode. Uh, you'll see an image of the training facility uh, that Ben's in as well. So that's kind of cool. Uh, head over to the MBDA website. You can sign up for our newsletter there. Stay up to date with our calendar of events. Thank you for listening. And with this, we go. Bye, Ben. See you later. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to Bicycle Retail Radio. This podcast is designed specifically for the bicycle industry, dedicated to strengthening our retailers and cycling community. If it is your first episode, we urge you to take the time and listen to our past episodes. 